This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Remnant Radio. This is the coolest set ever, isn't it? Yeah, man. Why do you sound so live? I I think it's because I'm being loud and obnoxious. <laughs> it sounds odd. <laughs> I, I don't you guys, sound odd. You guys you let me know odd. if it sounds odd. Um, Why can't I see? Oh, that's because there's always a lag. There is a lag. You ask, I feel like you ask me this almost every I do. week. Well, I, I forget. Josh, sometimes. is there a... Hey, guys. Welcome to Remnant Radio, the show where there is a lag in between the live video What's actually happening? I'm setting up cameras. So for those of you who are like, why are things so quiet? That's why. Michael, tell us a little about yourself and uh, and your week. Uh, What shall I say? I am a pastor by trade. Yeah. uh, Currently working on the next pastorship position. And my week has been good. Uh, My wife has a little minor surgery tomorrow. So that's that's going to be interesting. just got back from Chicago the other weekend out at Greater Chicago Church with J.D. Lehman and did a conference there. A lot of fun. How was that? Uh, I heard that was good. Oh, it was fantastic, dude. We saw some, uh, uh, I mean, I say significant miracles. A um, lot of words of knowledge for healing. Uh, yeah, so it, it was great. Um, then I also got to feel like I really got to breathe some life into the to the church. So, And John is a, there. Uh, we're on YouTube. John oh. is a longtime guest. He was the second <laughs> guest on the show. John. How, how well, that's unfortunate because I put the Facebook, Facebook on oh, all of my no. links. Okay, so hang on. If you're if you're trying to find me, hang on. We'll, 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 we'll fix it. Hey, yeah. so for those of you who are watching, you've probably noticed we are in a new studio space. This is a uh, a new space actually provided uh, by Wellspring Church. My uh, former church your where former I was on church. staff and, you know, cut my my teeth in ministry. Yeah, so it's it's been, uh, uh, man, an awesome opportunity to work with the church here uh, coming into uh, this ministry to be able to serve these guys, build this new set. Uh, Michael will actually be using this for his church. Uh, you can go check out their podcast, A Guy in the Pew. So they're going to use some of this gear uh, for their programs. So yeah. It's going to be neat. Yeah. And, uh, hey, I'm already getting commentary on uh, how funny that uh, the podcast picture is how funny it is. Yeah. How Which, so? by the way, I did not give my approval. For oh, yeah. Neither the, did the I. Picture, the picture. I told him, oh, okay. Neither okay. did I. I told okay. him well, that could look strangely was... questionable, but possibly you, you, you told me because the, the first, the first rendition, you couldn't see the wrestling trunks. So yeah, you, you were you were pants. really concerned. So you were like, like uh, are we, you just look like you posted a bunch I'm of. Da- yeah. I'm down with the wrestling metaphor, but <laughs> we wrestled. I just not, wanted maybe. a different body. Yeah. <laughs> so full disclosure, there's a guy on your left, John. So I was actually going to use three, and that guy was just like one of the really big wrestlers. And my wife was like, do it, do it, do it. It's like, I can't oh. do that to John. Oh. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful wife. I thought my uh, my that that. Shockingly similar. Yeah, what you don't know is <laughs> it was an was actual me. photo. It's his BC days. Actual photo. Okay, guys. Back when I was a uh, UFC fighter, was was you a UFC fighter? I was. Did I, you ever I, do the UFC? I was. 
Hey, so for those of you guys who are watching, you're tuning in, you're saying, hey, uh, we have been waiting for this episode. We're going to be talking about cessationist arguments. So the idea is we're going to play a video from a predominant um, cessationist, a person who believes the gifts of the Spirit have ceased, and we're going to give a response to that position. So we're going to be watching uh, probably, for sure, John MacArthur and uh, J James Hall. I'm forgetting his first name. Uh, and and they're, 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 they're Calvinists that have done debates publicly. Um, that's the last guy. Last Sam, guy. That's Sam Waldron. That's okay. I uh, just had the other guy as other guy on my notes. No, you're good. Okay, so so we'll 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 do all of these uh, one by one. Go through the arguments. They're 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 succinct logical arguments. Uh, we're thankful for John MacArthur and his ministry to the church. We disagree with him on the issue of cessationism. Uh, you know, I've got I've read three of his books this year. Uh, I think he's a great guy, godly man. But I do disagree with them on this point. So we're going to address these as issues, not as people. Because again, these individuals, I mean, if you're watching this video and you think I do a poor job of your critique, come on the show. We'd love to have you. We would love to discuss the issues of cessationism, Calvinism, so forth and so on with you guys. Uh, John, any any thoughts? Uh, I know you're kind of doing your letting everybody know that we're on the YouTube uh, yeah. before we get going too far into the videos. Um, you know, just just I mean, you touched on it. I I, I would definitely say. You know, the very first and foremost thing is we love cessationist brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And I would say in the many decades that I have been in and out of uh, opinions and ministries on both sides of the aisle, uh, served in a, in a briefly served in a church whose kind of unspoken motto is seek not forbid not. So, um, you know, really d dialoguing and, and debating and getting into the hard issues, um, you know, cessationists by and large love God. They love scripture. They have sound teaching, except for this topic, in my opinion. Um, they, they are uh, proponents of holy living and they're bastions of orthodoxy. Again, with exception to this yeah. issue predominantly in, you know, in my experience, um, I am, I am very impressed and, and I have cessationist people or who say there's no way you could like MacArthur. I'm like, I love MacArthur. I really do. I think he's a great exegete, except when he's talking about the Holy spirit and not all aspects of the Holy spirit, specifically, yeah, specifically this one. Specifically this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's like, uh, we, we've got to start the show. Um, you know, like when we talk about social justice, we've got to start the show saying, I have a black friend. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and so we're, we're starting the show in a very similar way. Like, uh, we're, we're going to disagree with cessationists here and we're going to be like, I have cessationist friends, uh, just so that we all know that we're on the same team. We believe yeah. in the same Jesus. We just yeah. disagree on these exactly. issues. Exactly. So uh, I was going to say, go uh, well, the part of the reason why I think this is such a uh, important topic, even though we're all in house here, this is an in house discussion. This particular topic very much affects the way you practice your faith. Yes, it does. So true. Um, and that's why we want to have the conversation and, and go through some of those arguments and and give our uh, two cents on what, where we disagree, why we disagree, and what scriptures we, we would use, or how we would interpret certain scriptures differently. So, amen. In-house discussion, important though because of the way. For instance, uh, you know, I, I trying to think a couple examples, but but one being um, somebody's sick, we're going to pray for God's will to be done by the doctors, uh, versus. God has given me authority to pray for the sick, and so I'm going to pray with faith on his behalf. So in Jesus' name, be healed. Like those kind of prayers would come yeah. out. So it affects the way you practice your faith, the way you literally would pray. 
I think that even even beyond that, we can say that uh, the gifts of the Spirit impact um, our day-to-day living. You know, do, do the sheep of God still hear God's voice outside of the, the, the scriptures? And when I say that, like, Lord, I'm there's this person that I would really consider to marry. Can God speak to that specific issue? Or do I just have to make a choice? Can God be more involved in the situation uh, with specific revelation? Uh, so those kinds of things, I think, are helpful in you know, marriage, direction with life, those kinds of things when it comes to prophecy, uh, so forth and so on. So let's get into the topic. For those of you who heard the rustling in the background, that was me realizing that the computer was not plugged in and we needed to plug it in if we were going to hear audio from these these godly men. So uh, you guys want to dive right in or is there anything else that we need to bring up before we get going? That's it. You good? Yeah. No. Okay. Some things to define once we once we get into it. And as requested... I wasn't able to get the uh, the ding ding from the oh, the fight. Stupid. I mean, I really wanted ding, it. Ding ding! I was so tempted to come here in a boxing robe and the whole Oh, yeah. that would have been dope. Uh, I was still putting up these signs today, so there was actually work this, going. I just the have studio. to tell you, folks. This I, I I saw the original setup. You'd have to go way back in the archives. <laughs> way back, <clears throat> way back in the archives. Uh, uh, but the original number. setup, and then what it oh. shifted to uh, mid second year, I think, or yeah, yeah. something like that. And then to what this space is. Uh, first of all, I don't have to duck coming through the door. No doubt. Uh, no, this is, are so uh, small. You, you guys, this is this is super super and, sweet. And what's crazy is I this stayed is under awesome. budget of three hundred dollars. So for the whole for the whole space, the acoustic wow. foam that you're looking at. Okay, I can't get into it. We'll talk about it after. Hey, yeah. but if you want to help us upgrade this studio, come on, you can. You can send in a donation, get on Remnant Radio, and uh, do that. And the other thing is, um, just for the record, when I say that this is an important topic, this is literally what I spend most of my time teaching on these days. When yeah. I travel and speak at other churches, me I'm too. usually teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. That's how important it is to me. So, And we've got a series we've done on uh, prophecy and hearing God. And That's right. All I can of toss that, that out there. You can yeah, get so on the website. Demystifying the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's yeah. that ad right there. That's the final plug before we dive into the conversation. You'll see the phone number at the bottom of the screen. Uh, it is there. It is 214-233-6292. We're going to watch a video, and if you call in right now, I promise I will take your call. You will be left on hold, and then I'll turn you up, and we'll dialogue with you. So uh, if you want to call, we have our handy-dandy phone here, and we will be taking those calls. So I hope to hear from you soon, and let's jump into that first video, okay? Can we speak while the video is going? Um, yes, but let me let me get it let it prepped up and get it playing. I won't I won't um, do any mockery or mystery science theory. Please don't. Yeah. yeah. Let's see what we got here. But since the turn of the 20th Johnny century, Mac. there has been the birth of a of a strange uh, Pentecostal and then charismatic movement that wants to affirm strange that fire. all the sign gifts, miraculous gifts are back, including prophets, including apostles. Uh, and you might say, well, does it really matter? Is it a peripheral issue? Well, uh, depends on what you mean by peripheral um, it doesn't affect the gospel necessarily, but, but it affects something very, very important that is related to the gospel, and that is divine revelation. Because if you're saying God is still speaking through prophets, still speaking through apostles, then he's not finished speaking. So that I need my Bible and a prophet or prophets, my Bible and some apostles, that I don't have everything sufficient in the Word of God 
And so I need some miraculous gift to get me through, some miraculous word of knowledge, word of wisdom, some miraculous insight, some uh, divine experience, some transcendent kind of thing, or I can't make it as a, as a Christian. I, I need that. Uh, that, that. That introduces an entirely out-of-control element to the closed canon of Scripture, and an entirely out-of-control element to Christian living. Because people then are subject to the whim of the people they trust as prophets and apostles. And they're subject to the whim of what they feel is a word from God or a message from God. They're subject to uh, promises of healing and wealth and all of that that are illegitimate promises. So, first of all, it's, it's I know. not true. We're all feeling it. Right. Gross misrepresentation is not go. true. Secondly, it clouds so the issue right of no, we're be- the Word of yeah, God thought. being <laughs> sufficient and complete. And thirdly, it adds an element into spiritual living that is completely mystical and arbitrary. When all that we need is in the Word of God— and the Spirit quickens what is in the Word of God to accomplish all His goals in us, in our Christian living. It matters a lot. So, a couple things from that. I would agree, yes, it matters a lot. Uh, first of all, I think we, at the beginning of the video, he did something that he has not always done, and I was very thankful for it. He, uh, up front, said, this is not a gospel issue. It's very close to the gospel, it affects the gospel. He invited his continuationist brothers as brothers, as far as I could tell with that video. And I was thankful for that because I've heard him maybe overstep and then maybe apologize for some of those things. So kudos to being careful with his language. Uh, big fan. In this video, for sure. In this video, for sure. Yeah. Um, the second thing uh, that I would definitely note, uh, well, actually, let me toss it up to thoughts. What, what, are, you, what are you guys' thoughts thus far? Uh, I mean, it's, you know, as a, as a person on the other side of the spectrum, it's hard not to be offended when I feel like I'm being misrepresented. Sure. Uh, and I, I, you know, I still want to be kind in the midst of that because I know that's his perspective. He thinks this about people like oh, myself. Oh, and to be fair, um, I would say that John MacArthur is actually representing the vast majority of the Pentecostal charismatic word, world when he's saying, True. yeah, so, Prosperity so, gospel so when we particular. say that we're being misrepresented, I would say that we're probably lumping ourselves in to a group. So I, I would say that we probably belong to a very conservative portion of the continuationist world. Um, yes. Uh, I would I would place myself in that category. And I think that we actually have a different range of charismatics here at the table. So we actually might address this in in multiple different ways, which I think is fine. And we can talk about that openly. Uh, John, initial thoughts? Well, not knowing him personally, but having listened to him for years, yeah. um, read his material and followed through um, trying to find the context of many of his comments over the decades. Um, I would say that to make a distinction, in my opinion, most of the cessationist arguments are come from um, deductive reasoning and largely are driven by disappointing personal experiences or preferences. Yeah. So, so kind of an experiential based stuff. It's it's hard for me to not hear certain buzzwords in his dialogue um, because I've read so much of his stuff. Um, Control is, seems to be a ongoing theme. Um, Decency and an order and that kind of stuff, which, which I don't disagree on. Mm -hmm. I think, I just think God's ways aren't our ways and 
If God can make a platypus, which is a mammal that lays an egg and looks like a duck and has a tail like a beaver, he can pretty much do what he wants. whatever he wants. And that's a decent and in order in his in his paradigm. So let's do this. Let's 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 make a separation real quick. Let's say we're going to go ahead and assume that John MacArthur is addressing the wider Pentecostal charismatic movement as a whole. Mm-hmm. We'll give him that grace because we love hope sell things. That's what we're going to go ahead and hope. We're going to we're going to pray. We're going to believe that. And secondly, we're going to treat this video as if it were an attack on continuationism if that were the case not on us personally on on continuationism in general if that were the case and and he does a much more thorough job in other videos and other articles and other sermons where he goes through why the gifts of the spirit have ceased a few of the areas that he brought up in this video i felt like were very conjecture and that's one of the reasons that i wanted to bring it up If, if you're if you're listening to someone online and they're saying hey look um oh that's not your camera I don't, I don't think my camera's on here. Um, uh, they're, they're saying, hey, uh, here, here's here's my issues. My issues are, as, as he listed at the very end, uh, it's not right to teach something that's not true. I'd agree with that point. The other two points, it says it could, uh, it clouds the issue that the word of God is being sufficient and complete. I disagree with that. I would um, too. And I would I say would that's too. conjecture to say that because prophecy exists, it clouds scripture. Well, and it, and it even some way says that scriptures are not sufficient if you think you need prophets today. That's right. Which is one of our, our guests, Noah, our viewers, Noah, is asking that question right now. Doesn't, doesn't inherently, or sorry, inherently, the idea of a modern prophet conflict with the sufficiency of scripture? Absolutely If you need not. a word, then wouldn't that contradict that doctrine, sufficiency you, of scripture? You, I, I would say if you need a word, in order to be obedient to scripture, you're in error. Okay. I would also say that Paul makes a very clear distinction throughout all of his writings, predominantly in Corinthians, and then again, the writer of Hebrews and other places. It talks about various types of practices, not just gifts, but but actually administrations of those gifts. Mm-hmm. And so to say various kinds of tongues. Yeah. And, and but but specifically to different do all prophesy. No. Sure. Do all write scripture. No. Yeah. And not do all do all heal. No. So yeah. it it's to me that argument is is to hold a a an office or a gift of prophetic insight and dictation to the apostles well, to says, write scripture is one form of office that is done. Yeah. No one that's prophesying is adding to scripture. Modern prophets and the gift of prophecy and the office of prophecy should never be in contradiction to what is in the scripture. But where scripture illuminates like you said earlier, yeah. how to be a husband, but not who to marry. It Scripture illuminates how to be a boss or how to be an employee, but not where to work. Scripture indicates what it is to be a pastor, but Father, do I pastor in Ohio? Do I pastor in Michigan? Do I pastor here in Texas? Do I set up shop across the street? Do I go an hour and a half south to Fort Worth? Sure. Those were all questions that I had in planting the Hub DFW, and I sought the Lord alone and his answer and response to me came through confirmations came through additional scriptures that had context came through prophetic words that brought uh, a, gr- a great uh, and, and uh, 
you know, brought a lot of clarity to the direction and the forming of that decision, but it didn't contradict scripture by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, Matthew, the, Matthew, we have you on the line. Give us one second. Let's finish this thought and then I'll bring you up. Okay. Go ahead. Well, there's a couple things here. Um, one, I think that the big thing is if a person is prophesying, if there's a prophet, then what he says should be counted in scripture. And that's the big argument that any prophetic word is something God is saying and therefore should be Scripture. Now, I would address the problem with that is that the Scriptures don't actually teach that. Right. Let me show you why. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's going to say, let two or three prophets prophesy or speak, and then let the others pass judgment. In other words, what they have to say is meant to be judged. Whereas you see in, in later on when Paul talks about his own writings that mm -hmm. he knew were Scriptures, he says, let him who thinks he's spiritual recognize that what I am writing are the very words of God. So you see a distinction in how he would treat authoritatively prophecy versus uh, his own writings. Yeah, And those two things are different. That's I good. would not equate prophecy exactly. with Scripture. Matthew, and that's a major, major um, one second. Uh, Let me pull Matthew dysfunction up. there. Matthew's still on the line, man? Yes, sir. Hey, man. Hey, you got a question, comment, concern? Thanks for calling in. Yeah, so uh, I just wanted to give a quick comment uh, as sure. somebody who is now uh, a cessationist um, on something that I did. It was a straw man that I had been taught about uh, cessationism is that cessationists do not believe uh, in anything miraculous. Um, in right. the idea that that God that God does not um, work in supernatural ways anymore. So, I, just to start off, obviously, I'm not calling in to say have a gotcha moment or anything like yeah. that. I just wanted to, I, I I wanted to have a friendly dialogue mm -hmm. with you guys and start off by the comment that what I had been um, fed was that uh, basically a straw man of cessationism. Yeah, so I so wanted to ask you guys, would you, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So we, we would affirm that most, I, I would, we know yeah. cessationists who, I mean, I've even heard John MacArthur say that he believes that healings and miracles could be performed, especially in places where the gospel hasn't that I've heard been. from believe that. I would yeah. agree as well. Yeah. So so we, we're, we're definitely all on board there. Any other thoughts or comments, Matthew? Yeah, just on the conversation of modern prophecy, specifically yeah. where you were talking about uh, prophets being like two prophets speak. You're talking about First Corinthians 14, right? Yeah. And and, uh, and that would be judged, right? Yes, well, weighed or God, considered. God gave, yeah, weighed or considered. God gave a standard of judgment in the Old Testament as well for prophets, right? Deuteronomy yep. uh, 13 eight, and 18. 18. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So so my question would be, do you have any substantial reason be, besides the fact, because prophets in the Old Testament were judged too. God condemned right. his prophets multiple times, multiple times in, um, throughout Israel's history because they weren't speaking the word of the Lord, right? Yeah. So and do you those, have any... Those words weren't considered prophecy either, or those those words weren't considered scripture either. Right. Yeah, so those... No, 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 yeah. no. No, my my argument. I'm I'm kind of leaving the scripture aside right now. Sure. My argument is my argument is probably fundamentally. I don't see any substantial reason from um, the scriptures to to lower the standard of prophecy significantly. I mean, sure. I you, you and I both know. Have you heard us say that? If, 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 
No, no, no. I haven't heard okay. you say that, but I know I know most of the modern prophecy advocates will will readily admit that that um, a lot of modern prophecies are wrong. And I'm I'm sure that you guys can can understand why why it is concerning when people who are the face of this movement, whether it's uh, sure. Wayne Grudem or Mike Bickle or whoever, are saying, "Hey, two to three two two to three is like pretty yeah, good. You get two a batting average of two out of yeah. three. Yeah, sure, sure. Hey, but I I yeah, would. And, well, let me address that with Matthew. Sure. Um, you know, I would say, Matthew, that um, in my experience with friends who are cessationists, it tends to get to a point where the fear of wildfire throws up the wall of no fire because mm-hmm. they don't want to clean up a mess. They don't want to pastor well. <laughs> they don't want to call false prophets out. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I think we should. I think it it is... Um, heretical not to do so. And so I, I agree with you. I don't think the standard for prophetic, uh, for prophecy in the New Testament um, and the guidelines for prophecy in the New Testament should be lowered. Um, the, the standards are, I, I think, are pretty clearly different. We, we're not stoning people. Um, and I think Matthew, uh, you know, Michael's actually would, got a really good point on that. So uh, I would make Matthew, an argument that the standard people are saying is the standard in Deuteronomy 13 and 18 is actually not. They're actually misquoting. Yeah. Well, they're, they're misunderstanding both yeah. those passages, and I can I can prove that pretty quickly. But uh, I think I want to hold that question till yeah. later because one of the other guys that we're going to show yeah. uh, brings those passages up, yeah. and I want to address it after that. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and I would say, you know, one last thing in uh, in this vein is that you know, uh, as Josh mentioned earlier, not every example of prophecy in scripture is canonized scripture. scripture. Yeah. You have in Acts 19 and Acts 11 and 21, uh, you have different um, people prophesying that aren't prophesying scripture. Yeah. It's recording the activity that should, that what I would contend should be the normal or part of the normal activity of, of the church. Hey, so uh, Matthew, uh, I, I want to make sure that I have your, your question uh, uh, articulated very clearly so that we can answer it. I, I know we could probably uh, stand the line and do 13 different questions, but I do want to give other people the opportunity yeah. to call in. So um, Absolutely. Be, be very clear, the, the question that we haven't answered yet, um, oh, good, good call, thanks, man. Uh, the, the, answer, the question that we haven't answered yet is, has prophecy the level of prophecy functionally changed. Are we are we dumbing down prophecy to uh, spiritual inclination and are no longer calling it prophecy as it is in the Old Testament? Is that really kind of where your question is, that most charismatics yeah. have moved away from the historical view of prophecy and have moved into, I've got a sneaky suspicion. Uh, is that is that kind of where... I, I would make the other side of that argument that most prophecy as it's defined by, defined by cessationists has moved away from an Old Testament definition of prophecy mm-hmm. by their misunderstanding. Well, let me, let me, let, let's make you make that case. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to let um, Michael try to answer this question. I know he wants to answer it later, but uh, I'm afraid that we won't be able to watch too many of these videos, and I would like to take as many calls yeah, as possible. Exactly. If we do a part two or three, that, I'm fine with that. I'm totally so um, I'm going to let Michael answer this question to the best of his ability, and we'll let you go, Matthew. Thank you so much for calling in. All right. Have a good day, man. Hey, be blessed. Um, so... Uh, a couple things. I want to make sure we address the last thing about what Mar- MacArthur said about the attack on the sufficiency of Scripture by saying that prophets are still around today. Okay, the Scriptures are completely sufficient in what? In all things? To tell you about all matters of life or to tell you certain matters of life? And that's the big question you've got to answer before you start trying to attack uh, what, what prophets exist. I don't want to set up a straw man for MacArthur, but I do find like that was something that he... He, he kind of glossed over. Like, he doesn't define. What, what do you mean, like, 
the scriptures are sufficient. Like you would, you would assume or you would want people to attend a local church and be submissive to local pastors, right? Yeah. And he would say, yeah. And it's like, but, but isn't the scripture sufficient? Yeah. And the like, scriptures enough. Don't you need, there are other things that take place through the community, the fellowship of believers um, that I think that, that God asks us to commit ourselves to. Now, are those pastors yeah. infallible? No. Is the church infallible? Absolutely not. So this idea that anything that we're using to support our faith, to build us up in faith, that is not infallible, ought not to be used at all. I think if we really pull on that thread, I don't think that that, that holds up very well. And again, maybe maybe I'm misrepresenting something. And again, call in if you feel like I'm doing a, a poor job of that. Can you give a, a, a representation of uh, Leviticus 18 and 13? I know Deuteronomy De- 13. De- De- yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So there's two problems here. One, uh, Deuteronomy 18, in that you're not going to find them stoning the prophets who get it wrong. Matter of fact, if anything, all it says is don't be afraid of them uh, and that God will hold them accountable. There's no stoning the prophet. But secondly, contextually, he's saying a prophet like me. Moses of all prophets was unique. He's not just talking about any old prophet. Moses brought in the Mosaic covenant, the law. Um, And so with that, you see all kinds of things. Moses got to speak with God face to face, not like all the other prophets who God would speak to in dark riddles and sayings. And so that Deuteronomy 18 passage was historically interpreted not as just any old prophet, but as a prophet who would come up like Moses to carry a new covenant. Um, But more specifically, uh, this prophet was going to be like Moses in that he spoke with God face to face. Um, because this was the whole big thing. All the Israelites, they came to the mountain, they were terrified, they did not want to approach God because of the great fire, the the, the earthquakes and, and lightning, and they were terrified. They said, no, no, Moses, you go up. We, we don't want to hear him. You go up and tell us what he says. So Moses becomes this sort of mediator between God and man. Well, in the New Testament, we see John the Baptist show up in the scene and they ask him, are you the Messiah? No, I'm not the Messiah. Are you the prophet? That is a direct reference to Deuteronomy 18. And so... The person who is like God, who knew, or who knew God face to face, that was like Moses, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's the one who fulfilled Deuteronomy 18. It's not a reference to any just any old prophet. Now, Deuteronomy 13 is not about a prophet who gets it wrong, who's supposed to be stoned. It's actually about people who are getting it right, that are demonstrating signs and wonders. But the big caveat here is that they're leading you away from Yahweh worship. Yeah. Right. So it would be the equivalent of saying, hey, guys, uh, here's this great uh, miracle sign and wonder. Uh, by the way, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are actually just one modalistic representation. Like, right. don't follow yeah. that person. So they perform a sign and wonder. That, I mean, they, they actually have real power, but they're leading you to go worship Ashtaroth or Baal or sure. Moloch or some other right. you know, ancient Near Eastern deity. Yeah, so so uh, you you mentioned the saying uh, in 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 the the demystifying the gifts of the spirit, and just now that God spoke to the prophets through riddles and dark sayings. That's in Leviticus, or that's, that's in Deuteronomy. It's in Numbers and it's in Exodus. Okay, so so you have these two accounts where Scripture is actually identifying prophecy historically as this veiled, mysterious. Um, we prophesy through a glass darkly. We don't we don't yeah. see quite clearly exactly what is being well. declared, and and we have a group of people that can help determine and weigh and speak into that thing opposed to scripture that stands alone. That's sola I mean, scriptura. First exactly. Thessalonians five, he says, "Do not despise prophecy." Why? Why would people be tempted to despise prophecy? Because, because it can be wrong. It can be it can be wrong. It can be unclear. Right, That's right. why he encourages them: hold fast to what is good, throw out what is bad. In other words. When you get a prophetic word, 
look for what is God in that and what and what's not God. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think I have probably been on the record for saying something to the effect of prophecy has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I would disagree. And so with we that. had this conversation, uh, and you were like, "No, prophecy has actually always been the way it has been in the Old Testament into the New. We actually hold the Old Testament prophecy to Scripture when it was never that." Yeah, uh, which is which is. And I didn't I didn't mean to convey that as a, as a, a a belief at this table. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was throwing it out as a this is what. I have heard this is commonly what's been taught. Said. Yes, what yeah. commonly taught. So, so, because Paul, thoroughly Jewish, thoroughly Jewish, Paul would would completely reference him when he says all Scripture is profitable for doctrine. Yes, he knew in First Corinthians fourteen that what he was writing were were the sayings of God, but he was primarily, predominantly focusing on Genesis and Malachi. Yeah, as his context for what he was teaching, and immediately after he says, uh, you had mentioned uh, earlier the the reference that he says let let him acknowledge that the things which i write to you are the commands of the lord and if anyone verse uh 38 if anyone is ignorant let him be ignorant therefore brethren desire verse 39 desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues now he the 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 main argument is that this was for the apostles I would say one of the top five arguments in cessationist teaching is this was for the apostles to establish the authority of what they were teaching and to uh, codify the strength of the early church. Mm -hmm. And I would contend that, yeah, that's not so true, not well. I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the things I was about to say is that is is that you have over and over and over and over people who were not responsible for solidifying the church yeah. acting in a way and moving in gifts that according to a cessationist teaching, it, you you wouldn't even be able to include that in scripture. Yeah, you wouldn't even be able to count that as a as a valid argument. I want to but before we start going off into, you know, potential uh, uh arguments that yeah. we haven't we haven't listened to on video yet. Sure. I want to address a few of the things that MacArthur had said. Um uh one of the the, the primary arguments I'm going I'm going to quote him as closely as I can. Uh, said something to the effect I keep losing that camera. That's unfortunate. Um something to the effect of uh so uh, I need my Bible and some apostles or prophets, you know, uh, that I have everything sufficient in the word of God. So I need, uh, a mer- I don't have anything sufficient in the word of God. So I need miracles and gifts and some kind <laughs> of word of knowledge or word of wisdom or, or, you know, something plus scripture. No. If that's the case, uh, here, here's the text that, that I've brought up. Um, uh, uh, it's in it's in First Corinthians chapter twelve. It says, "For just as the body is uh, is one and has many members, and all members of that body, through uh, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew, Greek, slave, free, and we're all made to drink of the same Spirit." Okay, I'm skipping down here. It says, "The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable." Uh, and the parts of the body that that we think less uh, honor, we bestow the greatest. Or he bestows the greatest honor. So, furthermore, he says, uh, "Now you are." I'm skipping quite a bit here. Okay, uh, now you are the body of Christ and, indiv- and individual members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. He's talking about what are the members? The same gifts that John MacArthur says we don't need. Right. Paul is saying, "Don't say the members of the body." I don't need. Um, so, so Paul says, according to sola scriptura, scripture says these members we have need of. I, I think that the problem there, 
uh, let me just throw a cessationist argument Please at do. that, is yeah. they would go, yeah, and God provided what we needed already, so we don't need them today. They've already been provided for. Um, and that, that's where that's why that, I mean, I, but I, again, I would go back to Ephesians 4. four. Yeah, what does it place. say? Un- we, we have these five ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teachers, and pastors, until, right, until there's a certain point yes. that, that we're going to have need of those, and those gifts will be around until we all attain the unity of the faith. Yeah, and and I don't think we've attained that. No, I, I would agree. I would agree, and I, and I think that there there's another thing that I would I'd like to mention on the argument here, where he says um, there's an out of control element to Christian living. Right? He says uh, people that are subject to the whim of people that they think are prophets or apostles, uh, it keeps people subject to what they think is a message from God. Now. I would challenge that. I really, really would. And is John MacArthur right that this happens in charismatic churches everywhere? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a question, Johnny Mac, you, you hit Absolutely. the nail on the head. It happens so much. Ought that happen? No. No. No, no. It ought not to happen. But does it? Absolutely. So so if you are addressing what is happening, you are correct. If you are addressing what should happen, I disagree. Because again, Amen. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 24 through 32, um, he talks about how prophecy is not a thing of disorder but of order. Yes. He talks about how tongues is not something that's disorderly, but something that is subject, uh, that we're supposed to judge, we're supposed to weigh, and it's supposed to be done in an orderly fashion. So if the, if the argument is we can't believe in the gifts of the Spirit because they are disorderly, uh, then it contradicts Scripture, which says they are to be done Orderly. orderly. So, so uh, again, uh, more than likely, I'm going to give John, uh, Johnny Mac the benefit of the doubt because he's a godly man. He knows a whole lot more than I do. Um, that that he is talking about what is happening yes. and not what Scripture actually says about the gift. So I would contend, uh, if we are continuationists, let's hold to a biblical version of continuationism that says that these things are orderly, that they're godly, that they're biblical, um, and that they're to be uh, a practice with utmost care and love for one another as as we see in 1 Corinthians 13. Any other thoughts before we move uh, we, on to we another gotta video? Go to the video man yeah okay yeah, excellent so we are going to uh pull but up we need we need to make sure we come back jordan first corinthians 13 thing okay cool because that's a linchpin oh yeah yeah the, yeah. The, yeah okay you guys none you guys, of them actually address that one no I, I think it's because it's such a straw man it's a okay here we go jordan hall we want to hear from you sir oh oh where you at jordan where you at apostles oh. or by the we're going to turn Jordan down, and we're going to back him up. There we go. Misleading. Rather, we assert that these sign gifts were demonstrated by the apostles or by those upon whom the apostles laid their hands to receive such, such gifting. In fact, all of the New Testament bears witness of this. In fact, the best place to see signs and wonders accompanying the apostolate specifically is Acts chapter 8, verse 18 through 19. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive my spirit. Here, Simon the sorcerer wasn't trying to bribe the apostles to receive the sign gifts. He was trying to bribe the apostles to receive the ability to give the sign gifts to others. If all he wanted was to receive the sign gifts, he could have received that from anyone except it only came through the apostles, the ability to pass that on to someone else. The notion that random and ordinary Christians in the New Testament were gifted with miraculous gifts is simply unsustainable scripturally, and neither is it explicitly stated in sacred scripture, nor is it logically deduced. There is no place indicated in scripture that non-apostles had the gift of healing. In Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16, and in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 42, we see that the sick awaited to be brought to the apostles, even though they lived among a whole host of 
Christians with diverse spiritual gifts. No one of the believers could heal them, but only the apostles, meaning that it wasn't an ordinary gift given to ordinary believers, but it was reserved for the apostles and those upon whom they laid hands. As the church prayed for signs and wonders in Acts chapter 4, verse 29, they prayed that these works would be done by the apostles, not through themselves or ordinary members of the body. The author of Hebrews says that it was the apostles, those who first testified of the gospel, they were the ones by which, quote, God bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Again, as facts, nowhere in the New Testament do we see ordinary Christians who are not apostles or gifted by the apostles miraculously healing the sick, speaking in tongues, giving prophecy, or performing signs and wonders. All such demonstrations came either by or through the apostles. It is therefore unreasonable to presume that the Holy Spirit is dispensing the charismatic sign gifts of apostleship today to those who are not apostles and who have never had their hands laid upon them by the apostles." Okay, so John was just telling me right before uh, this video was over, we've got to take the high road on this one. Yes, I'll be do. honest, guys. That one is going to be hard for me to address, like, Fair kindly. Nicely. Civilly. Because yeah. it was just so wrong. It's so wrong. There's on so many so, levels. Like, I just, I feel like... Well, let's, let's, just, let's just take one bit, yeah. like, nowhere in the scriptures does it say this. Yes. Okay, well, let me show you where it says it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's just leave it at that. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Go first. Um. Okay. Sign gifts. Nobody, uh, how do you know that what that guy was wanting to get was the ability to impart sign gifts? Mm -hmm. Secondly, how do you know that nobody other than the apostles were allowed to lay hands on people and get gifts, sign gifts? Um, well, first off, or let me go to that second one first. Uh, first Timothy 4, 14. Paul tells Timothy, don't neglect the gift of God, which was given to you when the elders of the church laid their hands over you and prophesied. Not the apostles, yeah. Uh oh. But the elders of the church. Oh, but wait, his mother, yeah, <laughs> had yeah. a prophetic word for him. Yes, stir up that. Yeah, yeah, stir up know. that gift. Well, yeah. the, the other thing about that is, um, no. So, so many of my my, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a critique on that. Well, how do you know that the gift that Timothy was imparted was a sign gift? Well, the fact is, it's not specified what kind of gift. And the reason why it's not is because there is no such thing as sign gifts. Yeah, That's a modern invention, right. and it's not actually a biblical term. And it's a biblical term created by cessationists to make some gifts more supernatural and others' gifts less so. Right, As if the gift of prophecy is any more supernatural than the gift of teaching. Like it or not, a real teacher... It is a supernatural ability and to teach sounded, the scriptures. It sounded as if um, Jordan was making the case that uh, healing is the apex of all gifts because the apostles were the only ones to administer healing. And that's not even scriptural. Which I don't believe is scriptural. We have the James account, you know, yeah. we, uh, if any among you be sick. Call for the elders oh, they would of say, the church. Well, that's just an elder responsibility, that it's not an actual gift of healing. But, but it's still not an apostolic only gift. Yes, well, they're saying it's not a gift at all in that yeah. case, in uh, the elders' well, case. They're making the argument that, that it's just a prayer. But well, you have no, they're making the argument that people who pray for healing have the ability themselves to heal, that that's what the apostles, every person they prayed for got completely healed. Which is which Jack Deere addresses that in Surprised by the Power of the Spirit yes. flawlessly. Yes, he does. Uh, as a matter of fact, he says, one, that's an argument made from silence. Nowhere does the scripture say that everybody was healed 
perfectly and completely the very first time. If anything, he shows even Jesus had to pray for somebody more than once for them yeah. to be completely healed. So and sometimes it's one of my could, quotes. <laughs> he says he could do no mighty miracles. Sorry, I can dominate this one. Because, this is awesome. Yeah, no, and, and this is this is one that we're all very, very passionate about because I think one of the arguments that was that was made there was just um, there is no prophecy outside of the apostles. There is no healing outside of the apostles. There and and the idea that these are sign gifts. Um, given to the apostolic voices to to uh, affirm the word of God. Would you deny that the apostles walked in signs, wonders, and miracles to per, to affirm the gospel that was being preached? I actually would deny that that was the primary purpose of too. of healing was to affirm the gospel. No, I would say any sign gift. So so the apostles, I mean, there's scriptures that say you know um, you know these works are done so that you might believe, right? Absolutely, but uh, but again. They're making it for the affirmation of apostolic authority, and that's what I would disagree with. Right. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the gospel. I'm disagreeing with apostolic authority, that sign gifts are to affirm apostolic authority. Mm. Uh, the reason I would disagree with that is because, um, one, it, you don't see that anywhere in Scripture. You do see it affirming the gospel they preach, which I would also make the argument, do we not need the same thing today? Mm-hmm. Are we not preaching the same gospel? Amen. Don't we still have the same need of yeah. God yes. affirming yes, his yes. own gospel with those John's powers? John's going to his hanky. Well, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, gosh, I can get no, all it, up in this one. And well, I, Go ahead, John. You just, I mean, you have Abigus. Calling guys. Um, Abigus prophesied of the famine, mm-hmm. not one of the 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Ananias who laid hands on Paul. To yep. receive his sight. Yep. Not one of the 12. Yep. Not an apostle. Corinthian church. You're not lacking uh, in any, any gift, gift of the spirit. Yes. I mean, just over and over and over. So I I, I would agree predominantly with, with Jack Deere's assessment of the argument from silence yeah. or, the, or the argument, the show me argument. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, if, if it's happening today, why aren't we seeing it? If it's supposed to happen today, how come Go I don't see it? Go read Craig Keener's book. Oh, it yes. is happening today. Exhaustive. Exhaust, and it is happening today. And I would argue predominantly according to Scripture, Matthew, where Jesus says these signs will follow those who believe. Yeah. And then also in the Gospels where it it's, talks about Mark Jesus 16. could, yeah, yeah, where Jesus could do no significant miracle because of their unbelief. And I would say that the reason why many cessationists don't experience or are in a, first of all, they're going to avoid any environment that is, that is open to it by, by and large, not everyone. But I would say that, that disbelief, I mean, we, we cannot, it's fundamental theology. It's hermeneutics 101. You cannot approach scripture from the position of unbelief. You, you have to, you can't say, well, because, because I don't see it, it's not scripture. You have to say, if I don't see it in my life, but I see it in the scripture, what's the disconnect with me? Why isn't it happening? What do I need to do to align myself to the truth that I purport to preach where it's all throughout massive? Paul says, we didn't come to you with eloquent words. Whole systems of Christianity have been built on eloquent words only. And Paul says, that's not the only way to approach yeah. the scripture. Yeah. We've come to you with power because some of you, I mean, I, I've always said, if, if I can talk somebody into salvation, I can talk somebody out of salvation, but it's really difficult for me to have an authentic encounter with a living God and walk away unchanged. Yeah. So I, I really, 
Really, really enjoyed um, uh, both Sam Storm's book on tongues. We're having him on next week. Very, very excited about that. You guys tune in next week. Also, um, very, very excited to, uh, you know, uh, read some of the other, uh, you know, uh, Craig Keener's articles, Craig Keener's books. Really, really solid stuff. I would encourage anyone who's going through uh, this conversation, I would encourage you to check out, you know, Wayne Grudem. Check out Jack Deere. Mm-hmm. Check out Craig Keener. Check out Sam Storms. R.T. These are these are biblical, godly men who are using the scriptures to support what they're saying. Uh, we're not just you know going out in left field and, and doing some of the stuff where we would so classify we them as theologians. Left, so yeah, I, I would video. I would address with with prophecy. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll try to share that video if we can. Uh, uh, the 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 last one I would say is um, there were men who had visions. Um, Cornelius is a good example. No apostle ever laid hands on Cornelius. Okay, uh, no apostle ever laid hands on Cornelius when he spoke in tongues. Well, that we know of. It doesn't say. It yeah. says while they were speaking, oh. the spirit fell. Well, well, no, no. I mean that Cornelius had a vision before any apostle laid, hand, laid right. hands on him. Right, yeah. He had a vision of heaven and he sent of the angel and he says, send yeah. two men to Joppa. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he, yeah. he had a, he had a, we call it a prophetic encounter. You might not listen yeah, yeah, to because, one of his I mean, gifts. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Ananias for some reason. I got confused there for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, something we didn't mention earlier that we probably should is yeah. the fact that uh, this idea that a prophet has to get it right 100% of the time, not biblical. Not biblical, neither New Testament nor Old Testament. How do I know this? Well, on two occasions, you see Jeremiah give words that absolutely did not come to pass. As a matter of fact, the exact opposite came to pass. Give us those texts, sir. All right. Let me go find them real quick. Because I'm, you got to fact check you on that. Stuff. Yeah, no, 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 when no. You start no. saying prophets missed it in the Old Testament. People go, I know, Ugh. I know. Uh, okay. Jeremiah 36 and Jeremiah 22. We see Jeremiah prophesying about Jehoiakim's dishonorable death. Well, guess what happens? He had an honorable death. He prophesied about his son not preceding him on the throne. Well, guess what happens? His son precedes him on the throne. And then we see another example in Jeremiah 34 about Zedekiah saying that, you know, you'll live a long life and you'll, you'll, your son will precede you on the throne. Well, you know what happened? The Babylonians got him. He got his eyes plucked out and left out for the crows to eat. And none of his sons preceded him on the throne. The very opposite. Yeah. Let's take, um, here's another uh, little, little helpful thing. Samuel says that none of his words fell to the ground. Why bother mentioning that if every prophet were completely infallible? Right. Yeah. And I think, I think you, the, the one that's super popular is Jonah, right? Jonah, this is, or God is going to destroy your not city yeah. not many days from now. And they repented and turns out that didn't happen. Balaam. So I think that when we, when we look at these, oh, let me get that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Balaam, a prophet of the Lord. Yeah. Prophesying against Israel. Yeah. 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 So, so I mean, come on, guys. There's just, there's just, there's, there's a lot there. So I think that when you approach these kinds of, uh, of texts that we need to be careful, um, we, we have these complex forms of theology that we read into the text. And I think that we need to be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Call in, ask uh, questions. We're going to try to watch this last video because we've got all of, eight minutes or something to watch. If you have questions, uh, uh, Miller's also watching there on, on the YouTubes. So if you guys are asking kind questions, we will try to get you kind answers. Uh, let me mute this real quick. Pull up this video. That says part two. That's why I had to check. Part one. Go ahead and give us your position, buddy. My argument is, is as well uh, not that there are no miracles in the world today. I believe that there are miracles in the world today. My argument is that there are no miraculous gifts. I think there's a clear and common sense distinction between miracles and miraculous gifts. A miracle is a one-time event. 
A gift is an ongoing possession of an individual marked by repeated manifestations of that gift. My argument against the continuation of the miraculous gifts is called the cascade argument. It goes like this. There are no apostles of Christ on earth today. Because there are no apostles of Christ, we may cogently argue that there are no prophets on earth today. Because there are no prophets, there are no tongue speakers. And because there are no tongue speakers, prophets or apostles of Christ, there are no miracle workers. And this this speaks to uh, Matt's, uh, oh the, uh, our caller who called in, Matthew, who had said, um, that cessationists do not believe that there are no miracles. Right. There's fair representation there. Uh, many cessationists would actually say, yep, yeah, still believe in miracles, still believe God can do whatever he wants. He's a mm-hmm. sovereign God. He can do his business. Uh, but that the offices in continual administration of these things by the church are no longer at practice. We got a phone call. Oh, phone call. Hey, oh. let's take this call real quick. Okay. From Stephenville. What we got? What we got? Matthew Carp. Oh, Matthew Tarpley. Tarpley. The Tarpin. Tarpley, you're like a regular guest on the show now. I know. You guys might as well just, you know, make me a regular, like, actually like a host or something. Yeah, bro, uh, you're invited. Just move back down to Texas so that we can see your face. Your voice is... Homie, I, no. look at that new studio. Isn't you it dope? Posters and Baller. My yes. goodness. Do you like those comics fun. in the background? you, sir. Hey, dude, I miss you, too. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm, my goodness, it's just—it's it, like the whole gang's back together. Yes, yeah, it's all back in town. So, for those of you who are who are new to Remnant, uh, guest number two on the show, Matthew is guest number three. So nice. good times, good times. Okay, Matthew, mm-hmm. uh, you give us give us your 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 uh, pin in the balloon of continuationism. Okay, I didn't see the last uh, video clip, so I'm sorry if I cut that off. Okay. Uh, okay, so other thing, I'm looking right here at a book by Eddie Hyatt called 2,000 Years of Charismatic Christianity. Uh, His contention in the book is that uh, Pentecostal charismaticism, as we know it in the last hundred years, has continued in every century of the Church. The book is about 200 pages, but about 100 pages of the book only covers Azusa Street to the present day. Mm -hmm. What's more than that is that from 600 A.D. to the Reformation, so about a thousand years, the guy was only able to come together with about 18 pages of evidence for the continuation of what we would consider charismatic activity. The dark ages. So, yeah, yeah. So my <laughs> <can> question... see <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> okay, Sorry. <yeah. laughs> that, that was a continuationist joke. That was highly inappropriate. Go ahead, Matthew. Dark. Keep going. Your dark question. Ages. The dark Your ages. The, the, the glass was extra dark. <laughs> I'm muting Michael. Keep yeah, asking yeah, your question. Sorry, Tarp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so most of the evidence, the, you know, the examples he uses, um, again, they're just sort of like almost like eisegeting history a little mm-hmm. bit, saying this happened. That's sort of like what we do, that kind of stuff. So, uh, my question would be if uh, prophetic apostolic gifting offices with the signs that accompany them have, in fact, continued for the last 20 centuries of the Church. Why is it that there's such a lack of foundational evidence to substantiate that claim? From 2nd century to the 20th century, what's you guys' take? Go. So, so apostolic uh, session, for sure, uh, was denied by the early Church early, early on. So as far as apostles go, with what we call the capital A apostles, right. and some make the distinguishing marker here, uh, that the Church stopped using the word apostle for a very long time. But nearly every denomination on the planet, including the one that you belong to, I'm only saying that because I'm 
I know. Um, uh, uh, you know, would, would, would call missionaries on some level right. apostolic, apostolic in the sense that they're sent ones. Absolutely. They're, they're sent ones from the church, right. but not sent ones in the sense that they have this unique apostolic authority. I have a friend. He's going to come on to do church history with us, early church history, the first 500 years of the church, talking about the gifts, miracles of the Spirit. Uh, would you grab that book right back there? Um, it's, it's like a little pamphlet behind that microphone. His name is Josh Hoff- Hofferth. Um, to get uh, off my high yeah, chair. I'm, yeah, sorry, I'm going to cut to John Bunn. Yeah. So you don't have to see him uh, get up. Uh, so that, you've that got, right and again, Matthew, I, I know what you were talking about was like like that Dark Ages gap, but you know you do have uh, Justin well, it, Martyr, it's from Irenaeus. The early church too. Well, I would say you know Justin Martyr, Irenaeus, Tertullian. Hey, uh, actually, um, the, the problem is we're talking on a Protestant. I mean, like most of us are Protestants in this conversation, and a lot of Protestants do not want to look at the Catholic evidence. I do. But there is a lot of Catholic evidence. Yeah, of I did, but, but I'm, I'm even back for miracles. I'm even talking back before East-West split. Yeah, and and I, I've been kind of, and I'm. This is a different show, and the opinions expressed by me are not necessarily <laughs> those of the hosts of Remnant Radio. I think we've kind of been wheels off since about big... 300 uh, when it comes to this topic specifically. Um, but I, I would say, you know, even Augustine who is like the poster boy theologically for a lot of cessationists um, even records and says in some of his writings, the, the amount of miracles that I saw, I, I have like, I have to get this work done. I have to stop talking about all this so that I can finish this work. Yeah, so, so yeah. I would, I would really encourage check out uh, Josh Hofferth, uh, J O S H U A Hofferth, H O F F E R T. Um, he has done quite a few extensive online uh, uh, articles on his website. I forget the name of his website. It says the desertfathers.ca right there on the web, on the book. So uh, wind, yeah, windministries.ca is another place you can go. Uh, I would really encourage check those out. He's got the earlier Nicene Fathers. I'm mean, talking about the first 500 years yeah. of church history, and he goes through and documents these guys. Really, really appreciate his work. He's coming on, I believe, in September to do a mini-series with us to discuss those things. Um, one of the things that me and, and Matthew have discussed has been the use of private prayer language um, and how the church has operated in private prayer language throughout history. There's a lot of record, uh, well, a lot, there is some record of prophecy taking place, but not much of a private prayer language. We have Sam Storms coming on next week. I do intend on asking him that question since he just released a book on tongues, Matthew. So I would definitely say hopefully we'll get. I would say it's evidentially, evidentially there. I, I I think you're gonna you're gonna have just like the divisions that we see over other topics. Um, you're gonna have hardline, yeah, strict interpretation, which which is where this is coming from. It's like they're reading the same Bible we're reading. Yeah, Matthew, do you feel yeah. like this is a sufficient answer, man? I, I I know we just kind of like skimmed over it, but I do think that early church history does uh, early church in the first five hundred, six hundred years of church history documents miracles. Uh, I feel Augustine like does. Augustine does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we know that Tertullian does, even though For he was sure. kind of a mathematician. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like um, I think it was said earlier on the show. I mean, I don't think cessationists deny that sure. supernatural, right. mystic things took place, right. but. Mm. The idea of like prophet so-and-so is going to share now and give us the word for the year or apostle so-and-so is going to lead our next movement to next season or something like that. I I think those, those would be things that we don't see in scripture in the new Testament either. So I would, I would be okay with, with those things not being there. What I, what I would say though is, um, 
that though we don't have documented stories as much as we do actual doctrines when they talk of prophecy and saying prophecy um, is to be exercised. I mean, they, they, speak, they speak pretty exclusively to these prophetic gifts and ministries uh, and, and speak to them as if they have not ceased. So even though we might not have a story of exorcisms and healings as well, tons yeah. of documentation yeah. for that. Tons. Tons. You heard it. Sure. You heard so, it. Right, gonna... so would you guys kind of distance yourself from like the New Apostolic Reformation who yes. kind of claim that uh, these things did cease, but that they've been restored in the last I first few, off few would, decades? Yeah, but I first off would say that the, the terminology New Apostolic Reformation was thrown out in by one guy in one article. Yeah, and is like the For band sure. is the bandwagon. It's all of a sudden, every charismatic yeah. is NAR, and and all of the leaders, quote unquote, leaders of NAR say, "I don't want anything." I, I literally I tried to get I one of the guys. Of NAR. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't yeah. with C. Peter Wagner. Yeah, in he, those days. yeah, and he's the only guy. Yeah. That that even coined the term. It was so if, if, I, if I'm going to address what is broadly called the New Apostolic Reformation, I would say that um, that's another episode. Man. It, it, is, it really is. Yeah, we got it another is. episode. Uh, but but. Broadly speaking, yes, I, I would yes. not consider myself NAR, no, nor I would, would I not either. Would I have those guys on That's the show? Encouraging to hear. You yeah. guys come on the show. If you give me if you, a NAR, if you're a, if you're a NAR, the NAR dog. Catch yeah. <laughs> ah, that reference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. But do I believe Kingdom Come will be done? Yes, but not the way they. So necessarily to, to the last it. joke. What's wrong with you, RC Sproul? Thank you for saying <laughs> that. Um, we anytime we can we can sneak RC in the show. We want him on. Um, hey, really, really enjoyed the he show. Agrees with you guys. Yeah, Thanks, amen. It's great to hear hey, from you, Matthew. Call love me. you. Yeah, call call John. He misses your yeah, voice. I do. Cool. Uh, we didn't love even get to touch. Hey, love See you, man. You. We didn't even get to touch that last argument. Do you want to? You want to take a stab of the cascade argument, or do you want to pick up Let, at a later I, week? You guys can do it. I'm, I'm, I'm nine thirty. We're good. Toast. Yeah. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week to Remnant Radio. You can watch every single Monday night, eight thirty p.m. Central Standard Time. If you want us to tackle the cascade argument or the subsequent arguments that we had prepped in video form, uh, let us know. And go check out our series online yeah, about for prophecy real. and hearing God. I will make so many more arguments and much more thorough arguments yes. on the above uh, topic. So, yeah, it's a six-part yes. series. They're each about 30 to 40 minutes each, so we're able to cover Promo this code. pretty carefully. Let's give them 10% off. Yeah, I think devil still works. Devil. Devil? Is it with an S? Is, it, is there any capitals? No. All right, try one of those. No caps, devil or devils. We're not sure. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you get that's 10% what we chose. Off. That's going to. We did a a, can can a Christian be demon possessed? Oh, that's why we did that, and we shared it. And I used that promo code. There you go, guys. Get it on. All right. Get it while it's hot. We'll see you next time. Love you guys. Bye. Want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of REMNANT Radio.